You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. It is day 14 of 21 days of prayer, and for some people, fasting also. And I think having uh, tried to do a Tesco shop yesterday while fasting, I then had a lot of dreams last night about food, involving in particular a tuna sandwich uh, by which I broke my fast. I don't think I will be breaking my fast with a tuna sandwich, but that's what happened in my dreams last night. Well, here we are. It's week three of Teach Us to Pray. And really we're talking here about how we can grow a relationship with God in which we can speak to Him and listen to Him and receive from Him. For this is really what prayer is. For so many of us as Christians, it can be a bit tricky to get going in prayer. And then sometimes we get going and sometimes somewhere along the journey, we can get a little bit stuck, as I shared last week. The truth is that for all of us in the room here this morning, there is more for us to discover an encounter of God in prayer than we have yet done. And really at the heart of this 21 days of prayer and at the heart of this series, Teach Us to Pray, is the aim that every one of us would be able to encounter God. Every one of us would be able to enjoy God, to connect with Him. All of us, not just some of us, building strong relationships with God. So for those of you who were here two weeks ago on the first week of this series, Pastor Martin took us through the Lord's Prayer. And I know many of us have been using that afresh in our prayer times. And then last week, we looked at Psalm 23, using the names of God to help us to enter in with thanks and with praise. And it's been great to be using that in our prayer times together in this last week. And this morning, we're going to simply move on to a third tool for us to use. This again, like last week's, was inspired by Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands. I listened to his message on this tool back in October. And then for the last three months, more or less, I've been using it in my daily devotions. Now, I already had a devotional life. I already had a rhythm, um, which was working pretty well for me. But I took this and thought I'd give it a go. And I found it so life-giving and helpful and enriching that it's a joy to be able to share it with you this morning with the desire that it would be and do the same for you in your time alone with God. So a title this morning, the title for this tool is not quite so snappy. It's called The Pattern of the Tabernacle. The Pattern of the Tabernacle. I think the tabernacle just coming up there on the screen. The tabernacle, you may not know, it was a movable tent that God asked the Israelites to build. It was kind of like a portable church that they put up in the middle of where they were camped because they were living in tents at that time. Let me take us briefly to Exodus 25 verses 8 to 9. And this is a conversation between God and Moses. He'd actually just asked the Israelites uh, to bring an offering And then he said this, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Exactly like the pattern I will show you. Hebrews 8 verse 5 tells us that the sanctuary that was built is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. It's why it had to be constructed to the exact specifications that God told Moses. 
Now, whilst God no longer dwells either in tents or temples, rather he now dwells in our hearts by his spirit, in the pattern of the tabernacle is something that reflects what is there in heaven at the very throne of God. And I think this is why it can be helpful for us as we seek to approach God's presence in prayer and in worship. So this morning, this isn't a a study of the tabernacle as such. There are many studies of the tabernacle which can go very deep. This is simply looking at the pattern which is given us in the tabernacle and how we might use it in our prayer. Now in the tabernacle, there was really a progression, a way that you would come in and move through, interacting with the six items of furniture that were there. I think we've got a picture here, which will just give you a bit of an idea of what was there. And you can see there's an entrance on one side. It was a journey of progressive proximity to God and His holiness, from the common space that was outside of the tabernacle into the very holy presence of God in their midst. So there was an outer court, you can see that there. There was an altar of sacrifice, a washing basin. And then there was a lampstand, a table with bread of the presence and the Ark of the Covenant. Now, only the priests actually went as far as the washing basin and beyond. But if you feel that might rule some people out this morning, please don't be alarmed. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it tells us clearly that in Christ, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. This idea of having a priest who goes into God on our behalf, now because Christ has gone in, we can all go in. So none of us are stuck at any point of this journey, we can all go right in. And each step through this journey in the tabernacle can act as steps for us as we approach God in our time with Him. So simply this morning, I'm gonna explain the steps and journey through them so that maybe you might be able to do the same in your time with God. Now to help us to picture something of this journey, I've got a little video that we're gonna show you which really is a walkthrough of a model of the tabernacle that was built. This comes courtesy of Messages of Christ. This is on YouTube. You can, if you search uh, the tabernacle of Moses, you would find this, but we're just gonna have a brief look at it together now. So this is kind of approaching it, these curtains all the way around. This was all made from the stuff that the Israelites brought as an offering. So they would come in through this scarlet and blue curtain into the outer courtyard. It probably wouldn't have been empty. There would have been people. There would have been animals. There's this altar of sacrifice. This is where offerings were made for sin. Animals like this would be put on the altar, their lives given. Those are uh, some of the utensils that were used. And the priest would then take the blood of the animal and, and put it on the altar, on the sides of the altar or the horns of the altar as he's doing there. You see here, they'll come to it in a moment, this washing basin that was there for the priests to wash themselves before they went further into the holy place. Then they'd come in through this curtain and behind here are the other pieces of furniture. This lampstand on the left side, it had seven flames. It had the finely pressed olive oil and it would always be kept burning. It's also called a menorah. That's kind of the official name for it. And on the other side, a table of showbread or the bread of the presence, as you might have heard it called. There were 12 loaves, one for each of the tribes of Israel. Two piles of six was always how they were positioned with incense on a little plate in between. 
And then there was this table, this altar, sorry, a second altar where they would burn incense. And the priest would come and add incense onto the burning coals and it would fill, I mean, I think there would have been a lot more than that, it would fill the place with smoke so that when he actually came through into the Holy of Holies, it would be dark, it would be obscured with smoke. He wouldn't actually be able to see the glory of God which dwell above these cherubim, above the Ark of the Covenant. I think they'll show you in a moment just inside the Ark with the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff which budded and some manna. And the priest would come in and perform his duties once a year into that space. So that gives you a visual representation, perhaps, of what the tabernacle was like and what it would look like to walk through it. And so now, simply this morning, I'm just going to talk about how we might use this in our prayer time. So it begins, of course, as you saw there, with the outer court. This is step number one. The journey begins in the outer court. The people would have had to come in with an offering. They would have brought an animal animal to be offered on that altar of sacrifice. The outer court is a place of offering. Now, of course, the sacrifice of animals is no longer needed since the all-sufficient sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. But as we learned in our Passion for the Present series before Christmas, we should still come with an offering. Psalm 100 verse 4 explains for us what is required when it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is the offering that we are to bring as we enter in, to come with praise, to come with thanks, to remember what God is like, to remember what he's done for you and to come in saying thank you. You know, if you're not sure where to begin when it comes with saying thank you to God, then just begin by thanking him that you've got life and breath in your body today. Look around your life, think, whatever, what have I got that I could say thank you to God for today? You could begin using Psalm 23, as we did last week. Use the psalm itself or the covenant names of God to help you come in with thanks and praise. I often use these two tools together and use Psalm 23 at this point saying, Thank you, Lord, you're my shepherd. Thank you, you're my provider, you're my constant companion, etc. We covered that last week. It's there on the podcast if you weren't here. You could use music in your own time alone with God. You could have a playlist with songs that help you to bring thanks and praise because this is how we enter in. Another key way that I have found helps me to bring thanks and praise is to rehearse before God some of the things that he's done specifically for me and to give thanks and to speak it out and And it's kind of well rehearsed with me now that sometimes I go there. Now, you don't all know the circumstances of my life, and and you don't need to, but I begin to talk to God about it. I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for how you've been faithful to me. Thank you that you you came and you saved my dad and you saved my mom from families who didn't know you. You just came and stepped into their lives. Thank you that I was born into a family where I was taught about you and you came and revealed yourself to me. Thank you that when I was a little girl of four years old and I asked you into my life, you took me at my word and you came in. Thank you that you overshadowed me and you've put your hand on my life. Thank you that you've never let me go. Thank you that even when I've wandered, you've been patient with me and you haven't walked away from me. Thank you that when I've been stubborn and when I've been ignorant and when I've been rebellious and I've been proud, you haven't turned your back on me, but patiently you've worked in me by your spirit. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to me more 
and more. Thank you that you filled me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for those tough, tough seasons when I don't know how I came through, but you carried me. Thank you for your grace, which was sufficient and changed me on the inside. Thank you that you were my constant companion in those days. Thank you, you have always been there. Thank you, you've heard every prayer. Thank you, you've been in every season. You've been faithful and I could go on, but I've learned to rehearse something of my journey and the faithfulness of God and his goodness to me. You could rehearse your own story. It'll be different to mine, and that's good. A different way that he came in and he saved you and rescued you. A different way, different ways that he's shown his grace and his faithfulness to you. But he came and he found you and he saved you. So this is the outer courts. We bring thanks and we bring praise. Next, in the tabernacle, we come to the altar of sacrifice, that bronze altar that was there for sacrificing animals for the atonement of sin. Hebrews explains to us that forgiveness requires the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, it was quite simple. Something had to die for you to approach God. A life for the life of the sinner. This altar is where that would be carried out and blood sprinkled on the altar as the priest was doing in that video. Now, thankfully, approaching God no longer requires the sacrifice of animals. It would be a lot louder and smellier in here if that was the case. See, Romans 5, 6 tells us that you see at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And Hebrews 7, 27 explains it further, that Jesus sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus made a way for those who were stuck outside his presence to come in. But the only way we can approach God is because his blood was shed. His life was given. So when we imagine this journey in the tabernacle, when we come to the altar of the sacrifice, this is the point we remember that blood has been shed for us. We remember the cross. In your prayer time, you could use here the words of the prophet Isaiah. From Isaiah chapter 53, five and six, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we're healed. So sometimes when I come to this point in my prayer time, I simply say, Lord, thank you that you were pierced for my transgressions, for my sin. Thank you that you were crushed for my iniquity. Thank you that the punishment that's brought me peace was on you and that by your wounds, I get healed. If I have a little more time, then sometimes I might elaborate a bit more here from what I know in the gospels and what I've heard and read. It just helps me to remember more and call to mind what Jesus gave. I sometimes say, Jesus, I remember the cross this morning. Jesus, I remember that your blood was shed so that I could come in. I remember that you laid down your life for me. Jesus, I remember Gethsemane this morning. I remember that you were overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, and yet you said, not my will, but your will. I remember that you were betrayed. I remember that you were beaten. I remember that you were mocked. Jesus, I remember that you were flogged flogged and brutalized so badly you couldn't carry a cross on your back. I remember the crown of thorns, Jesus, that was pushed onto your head. 
punishment that brings me peace was on you. And I remember, Jesus, that nails were thrust through your hands and your feet and you were put onto that cross in front of everybody in full sight and you hung there until you completed that work. Your body broken, your blood poured out until it was finished. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that your sacrifice is sufficient to cover me and pay for my sin today. Thank you. Your blood was shed and there's blood on the altar today as I come in. It does me good every morning to remember the cross, to remember what's been given. It reminds me that I'm loved. It reminds me the price that has been paid for me. And this is the altar of sacrifice. It reminds us Christ's blood was shed that we might enter in. And in prayer as we journey, when we come to this altar of sacrifice, we can remember the cross. On to the washing basin, journeying forward in the tabernacle. Here the, the priests would wash themselves to be prepared for service, for going in further. And you know, for us to think of coming and being washed and cleansed is perhaps a fitting response to the mercy of God in giving his son for us. As Paul puts it in Romans 12 verse one, he says, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, in view of what God's done, in view of the sacrifice on the altar, to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So this next stage, this basin is an opportunity for us, first and foremost, to come and to receive cleansing. You know, none of us yet is perfect, which means all of us sometimes have sin we need to confess and be cleansed of. Is that right? Yeah. Indeed. And this is where we can come to the basin and say, cleanse me again, Lord. I'm sorry I did that again. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I didn't say that. It's, we all have different vulnerabilities. We can come and receive forgiveness and cleansing and then offer our bodies to God for his service. This is a point of cleansing and preparation. So each morning as I come, and I, in my prayer time, as I come to this basin, I offer the parts of my body to God that I might live to please him and to serve him today. I say, Lord, this morning I cleanse my mind. I wash it, maybe washed by you. Help me to have the mind of Christ, that nothing untrue would reside in my thoughts, that I wouldn't fix on negative things and faithless thoughts. Help me today to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what I want to be going on in my mind. Uh, I cleanse my eyes, say, Lord, I wash my eyes. Help me to see others with purity. Help me to see them with love like you do. Help me to look upon them with grace. Help me to see situations with your vision and to see how you see. I wash my ears that they might be inclined to you, that I can hear you. I wash my mouth. I say, Lord, oh, help me, Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that in the tongue is the power of life and death. I'm like, Lord, as I wash my mouth today, let it be life that is in my mouth. May everything, as it says in Ephesians 4, that comes out of my mouth be useful to build up those who hear. Let me not gossip. Let me not be harsh. Help me, Lord. Cleanse me. Prepare me. I cleanse my hands that what I do would be pleasing to him. What my thumbs do on my phone, that what my fingers click on my laptop might be pleasing to him. I wash my feet, 
that I would go where he sends me to go, and that when I go, I would go as one sent. I've been cleansed, I've been prepared, ready for his service. This is what's happening at the basin. I'm being cleansed, but I'm being made ready for what the Lord would desire. And that's what he wants to do in you also. That's the, the basin for washing. We move on into the holy place, and there's the lampstand to the one side. And the lampstand for us represents the Holy Spirit, his flame, his fire, his power, his anointing, his gifts, and his revelation. You know, the light of this flame was the only light in the holy place. It's the only way anything could be seen. And in our prayer journey through the tabernacle, it's at this point that we can invite Holy Spirit into our lives again for a fresh day, to invite his presence into every part of us, to welcome Holy Spirit. We can ask him to give us fresh revelation. Help me to see more of Jesus today, to change us, to work in us, to empower us. We can remind ourselves at this point that the Holy Spirit in us gives gifts to us, spiritual gifts. You know, every one of us in the room has at least one spiritual gift. Every one of us, whether you know it or not, whether you use it or not. Paul wrote to Timothy this. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And he reminds him, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So the lampstand reminds us that the Holy Spirit is in us, that we might ask him to help us to stir up the gifts that he's put in us, to activate them, to step out in them, to fan them into flames so that they can strengthen and bless others, which is the very reason for which they have been given. It reminds us that we've not been given a spirit of timidity. It reminds us we can be bold. It reminds us we can love. It reminds us we can be self-disciplined, even if we don't feel those things or they're things that we struggle with through his presence in us. We can outperform our natural abilities. So when I pray this pattern, I imagine at this point stepping through the curtain into the darkness, lit then only by the flame from the lampstand. And I say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit, into every place and part of me today. Let your consuming, cleansing flame burn in me. I say, come in beyond my limits and help me see. Give me revelation. I say, Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've placed in me because of your presence here that are here to serve others. Help me stir them up today. Help me fan them into flame. The gifts that I'm confident in and the things that I'm still tentative about, help me stir them up and to use them and grow in them. Help me live today not just out of my natural abilities, but out of the things that you've made available to me and are making available to me. Anybody want to live that kind of life, a supernaturally empowered life? I want to live like that. This is where we come and it reminds us to pray that and to lean and to make room and welcome Holy Spirit to keep working in us. I say, Lord, help me serve today. Help me lead today. Help me minister today. Help me as a wife. Help me as a mother. Help me as a friend. Help me as a colleague not just to bring what I could naturally bring, but to bring what I can bring through you and your presence in me. I ask the Lord to help me not to be timid. There's many of us, we need to keep asking the Lord to help us not to be timid, but to be bold, and particularly bold with what he's put in us. 
This is the point where we can ask that and be reminded. This is the lampstand. We welcome Holy Spirit. We come on to the table with the bread of the presence. The word presence, as we learned in the Passion for the Presence series, is this Hebrew word, pornim, and it can mean presence or it can mean face. This is almost literally the bread of God's face. The bread that shows us Him. These uh, loaves that were on the table, they were a reminder of the, of the covenant that God had made with the 12 tribes of Israel, that they were His and He was their God. And the bread was a continual reminder of their dependence on Him, their need for Him, their need to be provided for by Him. And in the same way, this bread represents the Word of God for us. Always fresh, always relevant, alive and speaking. It's the bread of his face because it shows us who he is. It shows us what he's like. When we read it, we can meet him there. We find him and get to know him through his word. Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness, we read it in Matthew 4, 4. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friend, you were made to be sustained by the word of God not just by food. We all need it to be fully alive. This is the bread that's on the table. I was reading in my devotions last week in the book of Numbers when they first packed up the tabernacle to move it on. If you read in scripture, there's at least 30 times they moved it on. That's a lot of camping, pack down and pack up. But that when, it, when they first moved, God said the bread must stay on the table. Even as you're moving, there must be bread on the table, which just speaks to me of the unfailing, ever-present nature of God's word. It's always there. It's always steadfast, even when times are changing and shifting. So when we come to this point in the journey of the tabernacle, it points us to his word, that we'll engage with it, maybe remind ourselves of a promise and claim it or rehearse it. Maybe an instruction that we're seeking to live out and ask him to help us to live by it. Maybe we're reading a few verses or a chapter or... But at this point that we would come and feed on his word, eat at his table, meditate on it, let it strengthen you, let it show you more of him and his face. If you don't have a way that you read the Bible, if you're not sure where to begin, then I'd, I'd really recommend YouVersion Bible app, which you could begin, it has a verse of the day every day, which is a great starter. It also has lots of different reading plans, which will give you a bit to read every day. I find it so helpful to know what I'm gonna be reading next. Otherwise, it's much harder for me to sit down and read anything if I'm not sure where I'm going. So when we come to this point, whether it's a promise, a verse, a chapter, or a whole book of the Bible, the point in this is it brings us to the Word and to read it and to feed on it. I begin here and I say, Lord, thank you that there's bread on your table today. Thank you that you've made provision and that your Word is unfailing and unchanging. Thank you that it shows me who you are and I can find you in it. Thank you that it leads me into your presence. Would you help me to feed on it today? Would you let your words be spirit and life to me today as I read it? And I also pray uh, a verse from 2 Timothy 3.16. Whenever I come to the word, I say, Lord, would you take your word this morning and would you use it to teach me and to correct me? Would you use it to rebuke me and to train me for righteousness so I might be thoroughly equipped for every good work? And then I read. And then I also journal some things and write a few notes down. If I've got enough time 
Then I try to respond to the word under three simple headings, which I got from Tim Keller. They're not original to me. But they go, uh, adore, admit, and inspire. I write down if there's anything that I see in what I've read, a reason to adore God and worship him. And then look, is there anything that I see in myself that I need to admit is not how it should be? And then I write down what I might be aspiring to do differently or to be different. Those things just help me to engage with the word and actually kind of digest it and make it applicable to myself and let it speak to me and shape me. But this is the table with the bread of the presence. This brings us to feed on God's word. And then we come to the altar of incense. That altar that we saw in the video there, a smaller altar with burning coals on it and the priest would come and add incense onto it and the smoke would fill the holy place. You know, incense is representative of worship rising to God. Worship is distinct from thanks for what he does. Worship being what honors God for who he is. His glorious nature and name. It says, Lord, you're worthy. Your name is worthy. The psalmist exhorts us many times, but also in Psalm 95, he says, bow down and worship him for he is our God. Simple as. Worship him simply because he is God. He made all things. He made you. You have breath in your body today because he is God. And he is worthy of worship. He's worthy of adoration. And when we come to the altar of incense in this journey, it's a prompt for us to bring worship. To worship the Lord purely for who he is. Because he is God. To speak out our worship to God. There's some useful language maybe in Revelation 4 and 5 where we have pictures of the throne of heaven. That language might be helpful to you if you want some more inspiration. But simply put, you know, worship, some of the things we were singing today were very worshipful. When we're singing about the great I am, hallelujah, holy, 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 this is worship. Worthy says, Lord, you're worthy of my worship and you're worthy of my adoration. Worship says, Lord, if you never answer another prayer that I bring, you are still worthy of worship. You are still worthy of all that I could bring and pour out before you because you are Lord and you are God. You are holy, holy, holy. You're beautiful in the splendor of your majesty. You're highly exalted. You're seated on the throne in the highest place in unapproachable light, surrounded by glory and worship forever. Lord over all. I say, Lord, I bring my adoration to you this morning. I bring my worship. I pour it out before you that it might rise like incense to you. The altar of incense prompts us to worship God for who he is. And so then finally, through this final curtain of the holy place into the holy of holies, there was the ark of the covenant in the most holy place. This was the place where the presence of God dwelt. He would meet Moses in this place. Aaron, as the high priest, is the only other person who would go in there, but he would only go in there once a year on the day of atonement. And he'd give certain offerings in a prescribed way to make atonement for the people, to turn away the wrath of God for their sin. But Moses would go in there regularly and meet with God. And when Moses went in there, he would intercede for the people. He would speak to God on their behalf. 
The people were a bit of an unruly bunch, and so sometimes Moses would be in there just asking God to be merciful to them. Sometimes he would be asking God to help him to lead them because it wasn't very easy. But each time Moses is there, he's interceding for the people. It was the place of God's presence. It was a place of intercession, of praying for the people. So when we come to this stage and we come before the presence of God, we may want to simply be still before God, to wait on him, to enjoy his presence, to let it and him minister to us. To still ourselves in his presence and to enjoy it is a, is a great thing to learn to do. But then also in this place, it is a place for prayer for others. Do you know we're commanded to pray? We're commanded to pray for our leaders. Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, Timothy 2, verse 1. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We should pray for our government, for our MPs, for those who make the decisions that impact the life of our nation. When we come into this place also, we can pray for those who have needs that are burdening us. Maybe those around our lives who don't yet know Christ, we can pray for them in this place. Simply lift them up to him in his presence, their needs, their burdens. We pray for others. That's what intercession means. It's simply to go before God on behalf of another. So when we come into his presence, we can pray for others. So when I come in this way, I say, Lord, here in your presence, I bring you so-and-so. I just ask that you'd comfort them, strengthen them, give them grace, give them a breakthrough in their situation. Whatever it is I'm praying for, I just lift them up and say, Lord, I lift this person to you in your presence. I just put them before him. I bring to him all the people, the situations that I am committed to praying for. Sometimes I pray for some things spontaneously, but I also have a list of things that I'm consistently, and people I'm consistently praying for. And I just talk to the Lord about them. I bring them into his presence. I talk to him about what I would like him to do, what the needs are as I see them. This is what happens when we come to the Ark of the Covenant, this place of his presence. It is a place for us to pray for others. This is the pattern of the tabernacle. It's simple at one, way, at one level. It can help us to come into God's presence in prayer and worship these simple steps. Thanks and praise. Remember the cross. Cleanse and prepare. Welcome Holy Spirit. Feed on his word. Worship the Lord for who he is and pray for others. If you're not sure what to do in a prayer time, then this is a great tool to help you and get, to get started and get going. You'll struggle to do this in less than 20 minutes, but as you can probably understand from the amount that we've covered, you could spend a lot longer doing this. If you find praying for other people difficult, this is a way to do it that can be life-giving and that can also feed your connection with God and help you not feel like you're just coming with a list and that's all that you have. And my prayer for us is that this would enrich our journey into God and help us to encounter his presence. I'm going to welcome the band to come back up. And in a moment, they're going to lead us in some worship. But what I want to do is lead us all in a response this morning. And I'm going to invite us all to stand to our feet. So if you want to stand up.
give people a moment to get to their feet. And what I'm going to do for a few moments as we just come to the end this morning is I'm going to invite you to visualize this journey into the tabernacle. You may want to use some of the images that were in the video. You may have a, a more creative mind and want to imagine yourself. You may have seen some other things or from what you've read, and that's okay. You know, your imagination was given to you by God, and it's good to use it to help you to engage with Him. I'm simply going to lead us through this journey that we would visualize coming in. And when we come to the altar of incense, then we're going to begin to bring some worship together, to speak it out and then to sing as the band lead us and lift up a sound to Him this morning that just really helps us to activate something from what we've talked about today. So I invite you to close your eyes where you are so you can imagine. Imagine approaching and coming through the curtain into the outer courts. Imagine bringing your thanks and your praise to Him. You might want to position yourself in a toda position to bring thanks. You might want to speak something out where you are. I want you to visualize coming to the altar of sacrifice and remembering the cross. That Jesus was the perfect sacrifice given for you, his blood shed means you can come in. Coming to the washing basin, being cleansed, being forgiven. If you need forgiveness this morning, receive forgiveness in this moment. prepared for service. Wait to imagine coming in through the curtain into the holy place, to the lampstand, welcoming Holy Spirit into every place of your heart and your life. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place this morning, that your light and flame would burn in us. Imagine coming to the table of bread. Imagine breaking some off and feeding on it. To feed on his word. He says, draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. And come to the altar of incense. Imagine some incense in your hand that you're going to put on the altar. And then we're going to begin to speak our worship. You may not know what to say. Just begin to say, Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're worthy. You're majestic. You're glorious. You are the great I am. Let's just begin to speak that out from the front to the back, that we would let an incense rise out of our own hearts and spirits. Our worship would begin to rise to him. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and honor. We say you are worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor. You who dwells in the holy place, but has invited us in. Lord, we say holy, 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 Lord of heaven and earth. You reign in all glory and majesty, splendid in your holiness. And we give you 
worship, we bring adoration. We declare that you're worthy. We declare there's none who compares to you, that you're wonderful and glorious. Lord, we lift a sound and a song that would rise to you like incense that pleases you. For you are worthy of all we could bring and all we could speak and all we could sing. Beautiful, glorious, 